Mosley, and this is Moves That Matter. Welcome. We're glad to have you today. I'm excited about the show today because what I'm going to do is bring you part two of the lesson I spoke about last week out of the Word of God about Peter and his relationship to you. I've gotten all types of calls and responses and emails and and comments uh, about a couple of comments that I made, favorable comments uh, that I made relative to Peter and his relationship with you. And so I'm going to do part two today of, of Peter and his relationship with you. And I'm going to talk basically about three things, uh, Peter and racism, Peter and revelation, and Peter and the rewards of a kingdom lifestyle. Again, I'm going to talk basically about three things today, and we'll pick back up with our segments in our next show. But you guys have so requested me to finish this conversation about Peter. I'm going to talk about Peter's relationship with you in three ways today. Uh, Peter and racism, Peter and revelation, and Peter and kingdom, a kingdom, the rewards of a, a kingdom lifestyle. So last week, I had you to turn to the book of Luke chapter 22 and beginning at verse 31, it, it explains from the King James version where Jesus says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Then Jesus says to him, but I prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen your brother. And so what that did, we use that passage of scripture to get us into a conversation about how much of Peter's life is so evident of the principles and issues, even if you will, drama that's in Peter's life is so present in the lives of so many of you watching and and has been present in my life. I believe, and I want to just kind of drop a little... Uh, side note here, I'm writing a book. I'm working on a book right now about entitled Thou Art Peter. And in that book, I'm going to discuss some of the principles I'm talking about now and why Peter's life is so valuable, so rich with principles and insights that if we would humble ourselves, God can use to teach us about straight out of the word of God from a man's life to help us see Jesus and live kingdom style. So one of the things that caught your attention last week, and thank you all for watching, the views are really exploding. You guys are acting like I'm teaching out the word of God and you like it. So um, one of the things I said last week I'm going to get right into was I said that God gave the keys to the kingdom of heaven through Jesus Christ to a man who was racist. And I was talking about Peter. In my view, Peter, at the time that he received the, the kingdom uh, the keys to the kingdom of God in Matthew chapter 16, uh, Peter still held cultural conceptualized racism. Cultural conceptualized racism is what I call it. What I mean is through Peter's lack of understanding of the totality of the, of God and his true divinity, Peter believed that because the Jews and Gentiles were to be separate that meant that in his in his interpretation that he thought that meant God's uh, meant that he was better or Jewish people or the Hebrews were a better human than the Jew than the uh, Samaritans or the Gentiles and and he not only Peter but several people uh, believe this concept Flavius Josephus suggests in some of his uh writings of antiquity that um 
that many Hebrew people believe that the coals in hell were made up of Gentiles and Samaritans that had gone to hell. If you check the scripture, uh, for example, in Matthew chapter 15, when the Syrophoenician woman, uh, a Gentile, came to Jesus in Matthew 15 to ask uh, healing and deliverance for her daughter, uh, the disciples instantly said, send her away. She's crying after us. She's a Gentile. And Jesus even made reference to the fact that that you do know, he says to the woman, that your I'm paraphrasing, the Hebrews see your people as dogs. And so the reason for me giving that bit of background was because there was this conceptual concept in the mind of the Jewish nation that they were a better breed of human uh, than Samaritans and that uh, Samaritans and Jews uh, and uh, rather Gentiles were considered dogs. Peter held the same concepts. Now watch this now. At the time, he knew how to get revelation from the Lord. I'll talk a bit about revelation later. But if you remember in Matthew chapter 16, Peter, Jesus asked the question, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And the disciples began to answer there at Caesarea, on the coast of Caesarea Philippi. And some they, they answered in this manner. Some say thou art Elias or Elijah or one of the prophets. Uh, and then Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? Peter stepped up and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus told him, flesh and blood have not revealed this unto you, but my father, which is in heaven. And, and I said to you, thou art Peter. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Here he's, uh, 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 he didn't, he tells, I'm going to give you keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now he's giving keys to the kingdom of heaven to Peter because Peter had the ability to under to, to go get revelation about Christ from God instead of man. Again, what got Peter the keys to the kingdom was his ability to get revelation about the things of God from God himself instead of what man has to say about who Christ and God are. Now, he gives keys to Peter for, for this, but he also has to rebuke this same Peter in the same chapter. When Christ says that uh, I'm going to heaven, I'm going to the cross, I must be crucified. He, the Bible says Peter grabbed Christ or laid or he took Christ. Jesus had to rebuke the same person he had just given keys and tell him, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou savoreth the things of man and not of God. And yet God, Christ, who knows all things, gives keys to this man who's going to he's have, have to quarrel with, uh, in a sense, after getting the keys. Why would he give keys to a person with these flaws? And above all that, this mindset in Peter of cultural racism and cultural supremacy or Hebrew supremacy uh, is in Peter when he gives him this keys. Here's why. And I need everybody to lean into your screen as I say this to you. Because God calls us knowing that he has to prune us. He knows wh whoever he calls, he's going to, is not fit to serve him yet. Every person that God calls has to go through a moment where, where, where their flesh is subdued so that the spirit that God has made and put into, God has put into them, making them new, 
can begin to crescendo and be seen more than their flesh. Every person that God calls, he calls them knowing that they are flawed, knowing that if they have flesh, that flesh is going to have to, in, in one way or another, be suppressed before the glory of who they are can come out of that. The Bible says in the book of John, chapter 15, who, um, Christ says, every branch in me that beareth, that beareth not fruit, God takes away, but every branch in me that bears fruit, God prunes it. Why? Because if it needs pruning, it, that means it, it, it has, it's showing some potential and there's some things in the way of it that, 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 that caught, so the full shoot of the leaf can come out. God prunes us off. The Bible even said concerning Christ that Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered. Interestingly enough, watch this. Jesus gets baptized in the third, the latter verses of the third chapter of the book of Matthew. And then the next thing after his baptism, after this theophany takes place, a theophany is where God, the father, God, the son, and, and God, the Holy Spirit in some form all show up in scripture at the same time. Jesus is baptized. The word is there. God speaks. It's my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. He's there. And the Holy Spirit lands on the shoulder of Jesus symbolized in a dove. The Holy Spirit's present is emblematic there. So a theophany has taken place. And immediately after this public celebration of Christ, the Bible says the Holy Spirit led Jesus in the fourth chapter of the book of Matthew into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. I'm about to shock somebody when I tell you this now. Even the flesh of Jesus had to be put under subjection before God could use him fully. Even because the, all flesh is sinful. Even the flesh of Jesus. Having sinful flesh doesn't make you sin. Or having sinful flesh does not make you a sinner. Your nature, being born with a sinful nature, makes you a sinner. But having sinful flesh does not make you a sinner. Jesus got his spirit from his mother, but his flesh, his spirit from his father, but his flesh from his mother, who was a sinner. Having sinful flesh, having sin, as according to Romans chapter 7, Paul says, having sin in your members is where your sin lives. In your members. Having sin in your members doesn't make you bad. Letting your members tell your spirit what to do is what causes you to sin. Well, that's good stuff right there. It's not my, it's not my flesh that makes me sin. My flesh is Satan's suggestion pool. And all of my, uh, the, all of the suggestions about the evil I would like to do reside in my flesh. My flesh is always trying to get a word in the edge while to tell me, shoot for pleasure and not for pleasing God. My flesh is always trying to tell me, shoot for pleasure, not for pleasing God. Well, uh, when we allow our flesh to dictate to us, we find ourselves in a position where God has to prune us and take the things from that are fleshly in our thinking, fleshly in our bodies away from us, deliver us from it if we, if, if we allow him to, so that why he called us and regenerated us can shine forth. In Peter's case, Peter had one major problem after being born again. After, after the day of Pentecost, after, after the Holy Spirit came in the form of a mighty rushing wind and caused him and the other apostles, along with 120 in the upper room, to speak in 50 different languages. After that Holy Spirit experience they had, Peter rises up to preach. And Peter is all of what is, is, is just about all of what God has called him to be. But there's still one thing in Acts chapter. So Peter preaches in Acts chapter two. 
But in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus had told the disciples before he took flight to heaven on a cloud then that they would be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Sumeria, and the uttermost parts. Look at my fingers here. This finger represents Jerusalem, all Jews. This finger represents Judea, still Jews. This finger represents Samaria, half Jews. This finger represents the uttermost parts, all Gentiles. So these Samaritans, these Samaritans and these Gentiles are still considered subhuman by Mr. Preaching on the day of Pentecost, keys to the kingdom of heaven, Peter. Now he preaches in Acts chapter two, but he still has that concept in him. God cannot fully use Peter until he takes this concept of, of Samaritans and Gentiles being less than Jewish people or Hebrew people out of Peter's spirit. Why? Because Peter represents the key holder. And if it's not unlocked in Peter, then it can't be unlocked in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts. So whatever God has to do, he has to unleash it through Peter before it exists in the kingdom of God that's trying, that God is trying to attempt to establish on earth. How does he do this? Well, Peter is missing one thing. He loves Jesus. He loves God. He is preaching the word. He stands against those uh, Jews who had crucified Christ. But there's still something missing in his life. He's racist. He still believes he's above, he's willing to oppress the Samaritan people. He's willing to not, not, not give them the, the fullness of Christ because they are Samaritans or because they are Jewish people. And I want to say something very quick here. We have some people within the African American culture and there are some people, uh, in, 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 in uh, Caucasian culture in America who are, who are unwilling to give what they consider to be God's best in desserts, as John Rawls talks about in the early 2000 book about the, the, the just desserts uh, in, in, a, in a world. Who deserves what in terms of the, uh, uh, the allocation of the wealth of the country? There are some people who claim Christianity, claim to be Christian people, but you don't want to see people of a different ethnicity to experience God at the same level of productivity you have. And I say that's a that's ungodly. While God is concerned about uh, every, the African American culture, uh, the white culture, and every other God didn't so love God didn't say in John three sixteen that He so loved black people that He gave His only begotten Son. He did not say I, I so love white people that I gave His only begotten Son. He didn't say I so love uh, 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 the Africans uh, or the Asians or Chinese uh, or Japanese that I gave my only begotten son. God says in the book of John chapter three and verse 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and that not some, but whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then the next verse explains this, this hatred that some of us have from one culture toward another, the, the hate that whites have against some, uh, Blacks and the, the hatred that some blacks have against whites and against Latino. The Bible says Jesus explains even preludes to that in the next verse after John 3.16. For in John 3.17, he says, For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. What's wrong with the world today is the church has picked Groups that they will and will not love. 
We are interested in building a wall. And oddly enough, back in the late uh, 1980, late 80s, uh, President Ronald Reagan was celebrating tearing down a wall. And now our government is shut down because we have a president trying to build a wall. Walls lock out and lock in. We cannot be the diverse people God needs us to be if racism keeps us erecting walls instead of tearing them down and find a way that we can get the, the love of Christ into the heart of whoever might climb that wall. So God has to fix Peter. God has to fix Peter. And uh, the way he fix, fixes Peter is, is he prepares to uh, send Peter to the house of Gentile Cornelius. I need everybody to catch this now. Sends Peter to the house of Gentile Cornelius. And interestingly enough, Peter is called to Caesarea, uh, to go to, to, um, go to Caesarea Philippi to go to Cornelius' house. Some, somebody's gonna like what I'm getting ready to say. He's summoned to Caesarea to go, uh, uh, uh to, to meet with Cornelius so that the, this Gentile Cornelius can receive the gospel. Interestingly enough, it was at Caesarea Philippi. That Matthew chapter 16, uh, where Jesus, in Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus said this, that's real Philippi, upon this rock I'm going to build my church, Peter, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Well, there was a city dump in Caesarea Philippi that was called the gates of hell. It is where they burn the trash and bodies outside of the city. And so you were approaching from the sea, the, the, uh, in Caesarea Philippi, uh, it looked like the city, the beach was on fire. That dump, that beach fire was a dump and it was called the gates of hell. Interestingly enough, Peter is about to tear down one gate of hell that's keeping Gentiles from, um, from prevailing. He's going to stop this gate of hell from prevailing by his, by, by what God does with him at the house of Cornelius. Now let me jump the gun. Cornelius is going to get saved, but not before God can fix Peter. He calls Peter, tells him to go to the rooftop. Peter, Peter gets hungry on his way to Cornelius' house. He goes up to the rooftop and falls into a trance. And then a big sheet like comes down in this trance, according to scripture. If you, you can find this in Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 16. On this big sheet that comes down with all of the corners connected, coming down like it's level. The Bible says all manner of, of creeping things, a four-footed beast, fowl of the air and birds and wild beasts were in it. And then Peter hears a voice from the Lord saying, rise, Peter, uh, kill and eat. Peter says in verse 14, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unclean or uncommon. In verse 15, the Bible says, Peter said, the voice came again and said, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times. Uh, the Bible said that everything be established out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. If you remember, Paul went to the Lord three times. When God restored Peter, he asked him the same question three times. So here you see a theme of a witness uh, symbolizing God's stamp of approval on things. Now watch this. And, 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 and the presence of, of God the Father, God the Son, and unity and God the Holy Spirit. This vision was designed to teach Peter that everything I have made 
is something that is valuable to me. If I've made it, don't you call it unclean. You may not like it, but it's precious because I made it. Birds are precious. Wild beasts are precious. Fowl of the air are precious. All these things are precious because I made them. And Peter, I need you to know, I also made the Gentile. I also made the Samaritan. Yes, they're across, they're a mixture of Jew and Gentile. Uh, from the historic uh, exile where they began to intermarry. I get that. But I still made them because all souls are mine, according to the book of Ezekiel. They belong to me. And who are you, Peter? Don't you let your calling make you think you're more correct than me. These are my people. I made them. They're precious to me. And if I can save you, I can save them. You treat these Gentiles in the same manner you would, you treated those Jews who were there at Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. Be delivered from your racism. Stop thinking that white, that, that the Jewish people, because they are my chosen people, did not mean that they're my perfect people. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Chosen does not mean you don't still need Jesus. And so God has to fix Peter. I need to tell somebody as I move to my next point about this. God cannot use you like he could not use Peter if you hang on and harbor racist or retaliatory feelings in your spirit from what has been done to you over the years if you're a black person. Yes, racism has been real. And yes, there are many of us in African-American culture who suffer from post-traumatic slave disorder, according to the book written by George Degree. Yes, there are some, yes, um, Joseph Clatterball said in his book that being on black, on shores in America for black people has been a social political issue. But I need to tell you something. If the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, if any man, any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Watch this now. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Part of the reason some people, whether black or white, those suffering from colonialism in India, those suffering from oppression in Africa and apartheid, those suffering, there were more slaves sent to South America and who lived, who lived in Brazil than slaves ever got to America. Oppression is something all over the world, but God can regenerate anybody and we cannot change. We need, and let me tell you something. Self-help programs don't stop racism. Feeding people or uh, 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 any political party trying to open a program does not change. The only thing that makes bad men good and good men better is the power of Jesus Christ. Nothing turns us around, but because see, God doesn't fix people. He don't fool with the old you. He makes you new. He doesn't ask you to turn over a new leaf. He's not asking you to, to change this. He doesn't give you seven steps to a better you. God doesn't do that. He doesn't even fool with the old you. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. God did this to Peter. So that he, so Peter could finish his kingdom assignment. And glory be to God that he works on all of us. He's working on Clyde. He's working on you. He's working on the members of my church who are listening to this broadcast. He's working, uh, last week we had some people listening from Germany. Other, last, other day, week we had some people listening from Switzerland. He's working on you. There is no problem in your soul that Jesus Christ cannot deliver you from. You don't have to die. You don't have to quit. You don't have to commit suicide. God can fix anything 
that you give him. So Peter's racism had to be healed before he could finish use of his keys properly. Next thing, I want to talk about the power of revelation. Why did God fool with a man with a temper like Peter? This this Peter rebuked Jesus after getting the keys. He cut off Malchus's ear when he came to arrest Jesus. Uh, The day Jesus met Peter, he picked an argument with Jesus. Jesus told him, launch out into the deep uh, for a large catch. Peter says to Jesus, the first day they meet, Lord, I look, I've been toiling all night. But nevertheless, at your word, I'll let out my net. The, the, Peter was quarrelsome, to, to say the least. He was rough and tough. We call him a thug today. And yet he was God's choice. And, he, and not only that, with all this I just named about Peter, the opening scripture I gave you, remember, was uh, Luke chapter 22 and verse 31, where it says Satan has desired to have you. Why would he want Peter? Here's why Satan wants Peter, because it looked like he already got Peter. There's one thing that's special about Peter. He knew how to get revelation. Despite his own proclivities, despite his own problems, his personal issues, his mother-in-law issues at his house, despite his issues, his quarrels with John that God reconciled in the first miracle in the book of Acts chapter 3, despite his historical issues and temperament, he knew how to get away and find what God's will was. That is so precious. Can I tell you something? You can change your fortunes moving forward if you make hearing from God more important than hearing from you. If you make getting revelation, because despite Peter's problems with his flesh, Peter, watch this, going to bless somebody. Peter was real and honest about Peter. Peter was real and honest about Peter. And the one saving, redeeming quality about Peter's personal life, apart from being saved, was Peter knew if I don't keep myself intimate with God, I won't ever hear how to overcome what my flesh can make me. Oh, beloved, I know I'm talking to somebody today who knows that you feel sometimes you can't control yourself. Can I let you in on a little secret? You can't. It takes God. To handle you. The reason some of us have struggled with certain sins so long is because you've been trying your best to stop it and you never will. The Bible says I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me, not through me who strengthens me. Because as long as you're trusting in your own strength to be to overcome what your flesh may be making you do, you are trusting in your ability to fix you. And if you could fix you, then God wasted his time sending his son to make you brand new. Peter, so pastor, how do I pursue revelation? The Bible says in the book of John chapter, James chapter four and verse four, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Do you know who had the best, the the scripture teaches had the best personal intimacy with God apart from Jesus? David. King David, yes, Mr. Adulterer, David. David wrote a psalm one day that said this, as the deer panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O Lord, in this dry and thirsty place 
where no water is. David could get so caught up sometimes after he slayed Goliath on his way home. The Bible said David was praising God so that he danced out of his clothes. His wife talked about him. People made fun of him. But he was so caught up in his intimacy with God, this apple of God's eye was so caught up in his intimacy with God. He didn't care who was looking. Can I tell you something? When you begin to lose yourself in knowing God, your life will change. When you begin to, I'm not telling you go streaking now. I'm not telling you go, go out and just rip your clothes off and go to dance. And that's, that's not what I said. And anybody that think I said that that's not what I said. What I am telling you is I need you to make God your priority. Make him your priority. Make knowing, make prayer a priority. Make Bible. It's the first of the year. Make Bible study your priority. Make church life and hearing from a pastor and a relationship with a man of God and men from your church and women from your church. Make that a priority. And what if God can, if this can get Peter keys, what might God be trying to unlock in your life? If you just like Peter seek revelation. Because despite the proclivities of David and despite the proclivities of Peter, the one thing both these two, if you will, thuggish kind of brothers had in common is they both had no problem loving God. I'm going to bless somebody when I tell you this. God is less concerned about your sin than he is about your intimacy. God knows if he can get you to ever fall in love with being intimate with him, that will take care of your sin problem. I want you to know that. Last thing I want to talk about. I talked about why, why God dealt with Peter's racism. And I talked to you about uh, the value of revelation. Now I want to talk to you about the riches of a kingdom relationship from the life of Peter. Peter, we, we, you know, the Bible says it like this. The race is not given to the swiftest, nor the strong, but he that endures to the end. Let me say it like this. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. And a lot of us need to understand, like Tyler Perry once said, all of us are a whole lot of things on the way to becoming what we should be. This is true for Peter. Peter was a mess at the beginning. But by the time Peter is writing epistles, by the time Peter dies, he is so in love with God. Glory be to God. He is so in love with God he is so humble. The same one that didn't want Jesus to wash his feet wouldn't humble itself to that. It's so humble. He wants to be, according to Josephus, he is crucified. He, he, once, once they choose to crucify him, he's the type of martyr that decided that he, I'll die for Christ, but I'm not going to die in the same position that he did because I'm not worthy to be identified with that kind of glory on Christ. What are the rewards to kingdom living? It crucifies the old you and raises up the one that God has the assignment for. I'm so glad this God put Peter in the scripture. I'm so glad that God placed Peter in the scripture. He has helped me see that if God can use him, and I want somebody listening to me to, to focus in on what I'm saying right now, the tone of my voice and the passion with which I'm speaking. If God can use Peter, sister, you ain't done nothing that God can't reconcile. 
Brother, you are, you, I don't care about your track, your rap sheet or your credit score. Seek God and watch want God turn your life around. And Peter, whether you accept it or not, is an example of what God can do to even people with problems. The Bible teaches us in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6 and verse 12, to follow the, it starts out by saying, be not slowful or don't be lazy. Be not slowful but followers of them who through faith and patience have inherited the promises. Peter lets me know if God can do it for him since he's no respecter of persons, he can do it for me. That's going to be it today. I'm excited. I'm thanking you for the, for the fellowship. You guys are making me think I'm preaching the word of God, teaching the word of God. God bless you. We're going to come back in our next um, show next week. Uh, we're going to go back to our three segments uh, but you can subscribe to uh, my Facebook um, to become a follower on Facebook. You can also look at the uh, website on the screen and subscribe to the Vision Scream Network, uh, uh, my, my website. You can get this on uh, iTunes, uh, the, the podcast. There's just so many ways, you know. Hit me up on Facebook. Uh, I'm available. I can a- answer questions. But I'm, let's just keep this ball rolling. Main thing I want you to know is life is full of moves. You need to make the moves you make, moves that matter. I'm Dr. Clyde Posner. God bless you. I'll see you next time.